This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia. This is the next message in our series on the book of John, entitled, Jesus is God. John chapter number 5. Hope that you would say with me in here that the grace still amazes uh, you. And it's an amazing, mysterious love that he has for us. And that grace causes a response from our lives. Just understanding it causes us to want to praise him. As Pastor Ronald said before, there's no obligation. We just know him and we want to respond to him. And some truths are like that. The truths of God are like that. Just knowing them changes your life. Just understanding grace. I've always thought of salvation as only a reasonable response. It only seems to be the only natural response when you hear the gospel that you would respond to him. Tonight, as we look at John chapter number 5, we're going to talk about the giver of life. We're going to talk about the resurrection. We're going to talk about a spiritual resurrection and a physical resurrection for the next 20 to 25 minutes. And as I think about this, at the end, I hope to share with you uh, some application. But honestly, as God's children tonight, and as one God's child uh, speaking to you tonight, I believe that this truth just has a natural response to it that I'm not going to have to tell you much about what you need to do based upon what we know. This is one of those truths that just when you hear it, you know how to respond or you know how you should respond. You know how that is? Somebody tells you you, you lose a loved one, uh, something goes wrong. And I remember when my father passed away and sitting down on the steps and as somebody was telling me about my father, they didn't tell me what my emotional response had to be. They didn't even tell me what I needed to do. The information alone was enough to drive me to have an emotional response, and to drive me to know what to do. And I believe as we think about the resurrection tonight, a spiritual and a physical resurrection, and we look at what it's going to be like for us believers, and we look at a, a physical resurrection uh, for those that are unbelievers, that are, that are dead in their sin and trespasses, that as a child of God in here tonight, your heart's going to tell you what you need to do. As we know that there's a world out there that needs Jesus Christ, the life giver. Before we get to John chapter number 5, if you will... Uh, say with me, it's up here on the wall, John chapter 20, verse number 31. This want to remind you as we're going through the book of John, uh, the, the reason that the book is written and what it's there for. If you will say it with me, uh, John 20, 31. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. And that believing you're going to have life. My son is trying to say this. He has summarized it into about eight words. This book is written that ye may know that Jesus is God. That's the Thatcher edition. We're working on it to get it complete, but we're working and adding words. And the book is written that you may know that he is the one that gives life. You know, he doesn't give a life. He doesn't give a certain type of life. He is the only life giver. There is no competition with him. It isn't I would have one type of life without him, that in Jesus I found life. Outside of him I had no life. Not in the way that we'd say it, like get a life or you have no life. I had no life. I was dead. I was spiritually dead. I was walking around dead and I would have spent my whole eternity dead and separated from him. But he gave me life. He quickened my spirit. He made me alive. And I can't tell you um, and I don't have enough words to express the difference in your life and those that are around us that are living dead. There's nothing more exciting than this truth that he has made us alive. John chapter number 5 and verses uh, 25 uh, through 29 we'll look at. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. 
For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to uh, the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. And shall come forth they that have done good, and unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil, unto the resurrection of damnation. Heavenly Father, I ask that you be with us in the next few minutes, Lord. I desire with all of my heart, Lord, to show this passage of Scripture clearly. Lord, I know that your children are here tonight with a heart that you have given them. You have made us alive, Lord, so now we are able to respond to your word. We're no longer dead to it, Lord. We're no longer deaf to it. But when you speak, Lord, we desire to obey you. Lord, as we look at the resurrection spiritually and physically tonight, I pray that you'll just give us a burning desire for those in this community and this world that walk around dead, that we will be able to tell them about this future event that is as sure as anything that's going to happen, and that we will show them the gospel. We love you so much. Ask ask that you be with us now as we look at your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as I said, we're looking at two types of resurrection uh, tonight. All that lived and ever will live will be uh, resurrected. Uh, resurrection is a subject uh, for uh, the night. A spiritual resurrection and a literal resurrection in body are both incorporated in what Christ has to say here. Uh, that we are, there is a body and then inside of me is a spirit. And uh, we believe um, there were three parts, a spirit, soul, and body. And some people would say that there's a soul and body, but nobody would argue that we're made up of two parts, that there's a part of me that you can see. You wouldn't say that my body has a soul. It'd be more proper to say my soul that will live for eternity has a body because it picks it up, it will get rid of it, and I'll get it again, but I will ha- I have a, my soul has a body. My body is the part that you see that you say that looks like a squirrel, okay, that most of you would say. That's the body that you see, and it will be resurrected uh, someday uh, physically either, or I'll go up in the rapture, which as Brother Jeff brought up in the message today is very likely in the time that we live in, and don't allow anybody to tell you differently just because those that represent us uh, may not be the most trustworthy, and they may, getting, they may be looking in the hidden things of the Bible to say Jesus is coming back, but we see it in black and white, and it's very clear. He says he is coming back. He is coming back, and I firmly believe, as many people have before, that I will go up in the rapture with the majority of this room in here because I believe he will come back and by faith. But if that's not the case, I will die. I'll be born. I'll be buried, Lord willing, in this community. And when it does, uh, my body will go up with him when he uh, comes back for those that are still alive, uh, that are saved. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want to make sure you know we're talking about a spiritual and a physical resurrection tonight. Um, Here, um, Jesus is in defense before these Jewish leaders in defense of his deity. In verses 17 through 23, our pastor showed us last Sunday night, he claimed that he was equal in person to God. I am God. I'm not only equal in power to him, not in works, not only power and sovereignty and judgment and in honor and all five ways that he mentioned. He said, I'm not just equal to, I am him, that I'm equal in person. And so as he is making his defense before these uh, Jewish leaders, and he's saying, Jesus is God, I am God, in verses 21 and 22, he goes on and he makes the ultimate claim to deity. In verses 21 and 22, it says, For the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. The Father raises back the life whoever he wants to, and I will raise back the life 
whoever I want to. We see it in the Old Testament, uh, Elijah. We see that people were able to bring people back to life. But when they do that, they pray to God and they say, God, will you raise this person from the dead? Jesus doesn't have to do that because there is life inside of Jesus. Just as God was able to raise people from the dead, Jesus is able to raise people from the dead. That there is life inside of him. Verse 22, for the Father judges not man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. That God, the Heavenly Father, has committed that Jesus will be the judge. At the end of the age, man will stand before him and he will be judged by Jesus because he is God. So the ultimate claim to deity is that he has power to give life and to resurrect and that he has the power to judge. No matter what else you may claim, if you do not have those two powers, you cannot say that you are deity. You can read stories, and it was uh, the Incas who said they saw the sun go up and the sun go down, and they worshipped it. And then they said, well, the, the, God, the sun can't be the ultimate God because it isn't in control of when it goes up and down. It has a limitation. And so, as I told you when I was in India, I would see the different gods, and they'd say, this is a god of one area but not another. But our ultimate god, the true god, is the god over all, and he is the god who is just and he is the giver of life and that is the God that we serve he expresses those claims in a more practical way and that's the verses that I've already read for you tonight so in 21 and 22 he says I am God I have power over judgment and I have power over resurrection and now he is going to show us in a very practical way and a spiritual and physical resurrection verse number 26 said for as the father has life in himself so hath he given to the son to have life in himself you know in the Bible here the dead will hear and experience a spiritual resurrection. In verse number 26 and 27, we begin to see here uh, that it's talking about this hour that comes when all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, a physical resurrection. In these uh, verses here in verse 25, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. He's speaking of a, uh, a spiritual resurrection. You know, all throughout the Bible, look at a few verses here, the Bible calls us dead. We are dead men walking around. What is your condition before Christ? You are completely dead. Matthew 8, 22, uh, when the young man comes to him and says, I have to go bury, he said, let the dead bury the dead. He wasn't saying let dead bodies in the ground bury another dead body. He was saying let dead people spiritually that are walking around, these unsaved people, let them bury dead people. Ephesians 2, 1 says, and you hath he quickened, ye have he quickened who were dead in trespasses in sin. Colossians 2, 13, and you being dead in your sins and uncircumcised flesh, he has quickened together and he has forgiven you your trespasses. So it's making it personal um, here, being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of the flesh. That's where you were at when he came and quickened you. You're unresponsive to the word of God, that you are not responding to him, that when he speaks, you did not respond because you were dead. And until he did a work in your life, you were unable to respond to him. I could think of so many illustrations, and I know you could, and I use this one, even though it's horrific, just to let you know that when something is dead, no matter how sincere somebody is, they cannot respond. Uh, my brother and his girlfriend, they had a child that passed away very similar to Mark Tolson, and uh, my wife held that child, and she held the child of Natasha that passed away there, and my, um, my brother and his girlfriend just cried and asked that child to respond uh, to them, but the child was dead. They did not respond. He could, could not respond because when you're dead, there's not an ability to respond. So we're dead while living. In First Timothy 5, 6, it talks about a, a woman. It talks about a widow here, and it says those widows 
that are a good report, we should put them up. But the ones the, in First Timothy 5, 6, but it says here, But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. She may look alive, but she is dead. Jesus gives a certain type of life. He, he, give, he doesn't give a certain type, but he gives life. People that are alive, it would be better to say about them that they are dying than it is to say that they are living. That they are on their way to die physically and where they're already and their physical body will match where they're at spiritually, which is dead. You know, you think about that. Many of you go fishing and I always, my dad said, we're going to go fishing today. And I'll go out there and I said, dad, we didn't really fish. We waited. You know, for me, fishing is that few seconds or minutes when you catch the fish and you reel it in. That's fishing. Other than that, you're just sitting out in the sun and you're waiting. And so that's what most people are doing. They're not living. They're waiting. They're just dying. From birth, they begin dying. And so that's how the condition of unbelievers. Jesus talks about uh, how G- uh, John talks about many times in the book of John how Jesus is a life giver. First John uh, verses 1, uh, 1 through 3 is talking about Christ, how he is the true source of life to which was from the beginning, which have heard, which you have seen with our eyes, which you have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life that's often spoken of Jesus. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That life is found here in Jesus. John 5, 40 tells us uh, that he will not let him come in unless you receive life. John six twenty seven tells us not the labor for meat which perisheth, but for meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which is what the Son of Man is able to give. In John 6, 33, 35, and 36, it speaks about Jesus as the bread of life. And then at the end of that, that's where Simon Peter says, where am I going to go, Jesus? We can't go anywhere because you have the words of life. There's life not found anywhere else. John, John chapter number 10 says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus is the life giver because he is God. And then, of course, we know the statement made that Jesus and Martha and John 11 and uh, verse number 25 here, it says, And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And so when you hear him, you will get life. And so they are hearing. And so in this verse here, it says, The hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And so there's a time frame, a time stamp there. It says that the hour is coming and now is. Now that Jesus is here, there is life. When he is resurrected, this hour is not a literal hour as we see in other times of the Bible. And you're going to see that in the physical resurrection as well. But he's saying, if you're looking at me, if you know me, you can have life. I'm talking about dead people. You are dead. I am living. The time has now come, and I will give you life. And not only can I give life, I'm willing to give it to you if you will, um, um, if you shall hear, and if you will believe and that the voice of the Son of God that shall, and that they will hear, shall live. If you will hear what I'm saying. Religious leaders, if you will hear what I'm saying, not only can I give life, not only can I take my body up again, not only can I have resurrection, but I'm going to give it to you if you will only hear. And we all know that there's all kinds of hearing. I mean, if you have children, you know there's a type of hearing. If you have a spouse, you know, not so much with my wife, and some of the young couples, Jerry McKinnon and others, sometimes say that sometimes I, don't, I know my wife hears me, but I don't know if she hears me. 
I shouldn't be saying that. I'm going to this house this evening, all right? And she'll be there. But you know, there's a type of hearing, and he is speaking about that type of hearing that when you heard the gospel, you know, you grew up in church and you heard words going on, but when you heard it in your heart and you responded to it. Uh, my grandma, whose name was Imogene, we called her Mama Jean, which only makes sense, right? And my grandma, Mama Jean, uh, they had a grave uh, site on the back side of their property. Um, and there was a, some families there from the mid-1800s. And my grandma always thought it was funny to take the grandchildren. We'd be back there. And she would say, ask them what they're doing. And we'd say, what are you doing? And we, she would say, what did they say? Uh, and we'd say, they said nothing. And she said, well, that's what they're doing. And, uh, well, she knew better. That's not the case. But their body uh, was doing nothing. Uh, one man who taught uh, homiletics, a preacher, taught people how to preach. He would take the young men out, and he'd take them to the graveyard. And he would say, preach and get these people um, out of the grave. And he would say, preach all that you want. And he would say, no words that you have can resurrect life. Only the words of God can make something living. It's that type of hearing that he was offering to those people that hated him. In his defense of his deity, he was reaching out in compassion and saying, Guys, you don't believe that I'm the life giver, but not only am I the life giver, I'm willing to offer it to you uh, right now. When now is shows a literal, physical um, time here. And now that Jesus is here, he makes a spiritually dead, resurrected unto life. And John 14, 6, it says, he is the life. Present tense, now that he is here, he is the life. It is still happening today. I referenced Harold Camping earlier, uh, the man that said that the end of the world was coming, and he said that there is a spiritual time uh, of rapture that happened, and he said over the last six months, nobody could get saved, could become born again because of this. And I thank God that all around the world and in this building, people have got saved during this time. And so we're still in that hour where spiritual resurrection is happening, where dead people are coming alive. We still live in that hour. It happened at the man at the pool of the stone. It happened at the woman in the well. It happened at the disciples. It happened to me. And I pray that it happened in your life that we live in that hour. And the power we see comes from Jesus. And that's what he wants to know, that he is the life giver. Verse 21, and the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them. Even so, the Son quickeneth who he will, that Jesus is a life giver. And you cannot give what you do not have. And Jesus will show that he has the power to lay down his life and to take it back up. Is there anything uh, in our lives because God, if there's anything alive, it's because God has made it alive. In John 1, it tells that Jesus is there at creation, that if there's anything living, their life is found. There's no other source of life outside of Jesus. And so if it is alive, it's because of him. And it says, given to the Son. Some people would say that this would teach that Jesus is inferior uh, to God. And um, what we learn here is of his humiliation, that Jesus, he uh, emptied himself as he came and take on a man. And that as he did, the Father gave him um, what was already his because he is God, which was this power. Even as man, God gave had been given him the right to use his life-giving power. And we saw that as he went around, uh, there was times where he didn't use um, his power, which he had, his divine power, and he chose to not because he came here to live as a man for the temptation in Hebrews so that he could feel our infirmities. But when he went around healing, because as Jesus, God on earth, had that power. And so here we see a spiritual and eternal and abundant life that he gives and now we look at verse 27. It bridges this a spiritual resurrection with a physical one, which we'll spend much less time on. Verse 27, I've given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Verse 27 says, Son of Man. Verse 25, Verily, verily, I send you, the hour is coming, and now, it, um, 
and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. Speaking of the divine, of something he's doing, in verse number 27, it calls him the Son of Man. Many would say here it's because that the judgment does not require um, what was divine, it's intervention in the same sense um, um, that um, creation and resurrection does. In the judgment here, judgment to sin is the natural course of action. Sin has a built-in consequent, consequences, so the wages of sin is death. So God in the flesh is Jesus. He is the judge, and as the Son of Man, he will bring judgment. This does because he, he does this because he is the Son of Man, judges man on the basis of man. Jesus knows what it's like, and the judgment of God is done by God who became a man. And we will see that at the end of the age, after the millennium, that Jesus is the judge. Jesus, the Son of Man. Jesus who lived life but was sinless. The one who knew your infirmities. The one who knew what the overcome temptation was. He will be the one, the Son of Man, that will judge. Now we look lastly here at a physical resurrection. 28 and 29. Marvel not at these things. Uh, the hour is coming in the which that all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Everybody who has ever died, the time says the hour will come, which is future tense. Souls that are saved are with the Lord. Souls that are lost are in hell. There is no waiting place, as Brother Jeff said today. There is no purgatory for the soul. There is there'll be absence for the bodies to be present with the Lord or it's to be an eternal torment. And those people, one day, that group of people will be cast into a lake of fire, but they are already in torment uh, from living, um, for paying for their sins and not being redeemed. Some say that because of this means there will be no millennium, uh, but because it must all happen at once. Uh, but we know this isn't true for many reasons. In this case, is because we see here that it doesn't happen all at once. You should be familiar with this 2,000 years ago when Jesus um, resurrects from the graves, bodies go up. With them, there's a physical resurrection that happened at that time. When he comes back again, and some of us may be living or we may be dead, there'll be another resurrection of physical bodies uh, that will go up um, at that time. We saw um, the resurrection of bodies doesn't happen all at once. Let's look at Matthew 27, 52, and 53. And the graves were opened, and many bodies out of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared um, unto Many. One of the evidences when he was resurrected, these bodies came out there. A distinction between the resurrection of the just and the unjust. In Luke chapter number 13, uh, we hear those words, every man in his own order is what it says. And so that we find in the Bible that there's a different time where those that are believers, which is me, and those that are unbeliever, that there'll be a physical resurrection for their bodies. And during the thousand-year reign, kingdom reign, believers who have already been resurrected are living and were reigning, and the unjust shall still not have been resurrected. Those that are during the tribulation, we're told at the end of that time, their bodies will be resurrected. And during the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, they will rule and reign with him. And you say that all this information isn't given in John chapter number 5. He just kind of paraphrases. Well, because in John chapter number 5, he knows there's another book coming that's going to give you a chronological order of this, and we could go much deeper. But what he is teaching right here is he is teaching, I am deity, and I am in charge of a spiritual resurrection. I can make you that are dead right now spiritually. I can make you alive. And one day, I will call bodies from the ground with my voice, and they will get up, and they will obey me. Not only those that are saved will obey me, but those that are dead spiritually and the unsaved, when I call for their bodies, they will obey me. 
because I am the ultimate. I am deity. There's nobody greater. Can you see the progression here as he started off? I mean, he told a woman, I can quench your thirst. And he's like, whoa, that's amazing. He uh, went into the synagogue and he acted in a way that they didn't understand. Like, this is unbelievable. He told Nicodemus to give eternal life. And now he's at a point that's saying, I have power over death and I will judge. And he has revealed to these people clearly uh, who he is. In Revelation 20, 4 and 5, I'll just look at verse 5, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished, and this is the first resurrection. It speaks of two different times here. So just in summary, uh, they are believers, resurrection with Christ 2,000 years ago, resurrection at the rapture, and resurrection after the tribulation for those saints, and for unbelievers at the end of the thousand year reign, their bodies will be resurrected and come, and they will stand before Jesus, the Son of Man, God, and that's where they will be judged for their deeds. How many of you went to Hell's Gate in uh, Dawsonville um, when it was going on? Several people uh, did in here, and many people wondered at the end because most of the time you go on those things, and some people go to heaven, and some people go to hell, and when you went to Hell's Gate, you're wondering, why is everybody going to hell? Uh, why don't they show anybody go to heaven? And what they were showing was this judgment after the thousand-year reign where those bodies that come to be united with those Unbelievers will stand before Jesus, and they will be judged um, at that time. And, um, and it tells us in the Bible that we will be with the Lord. Once we leave here, Brother Gene, once I leave here, Miss Heather, once we leave here, we will spend eternity with him. There will be no purgatory. There will be no intermission. We get to be with him forever, which means during this time, this event, there's no reason to believe that we won't be with him. So I want to draw your, t- your mind to a picture, and this is what I was telling you that I believe has a response just in your heart as a child of God. So Jesus as deity, he stands there and he teaches them, I am God, Jesus is God. He makes it clear, I'm over judgment, I'm over the resurrection. There's nothing higher than that. Then he says, I have power over the spiritually dead, I can make you alive. I have power over the physically dead, those that are saved and those that are lost. And then there's a time where all unbelievers will stand before him and Jesus, the Son of God, will judge them based upon their deeds of never accepting him, of never responding to the gospel, and we will be there with him. The Bible tells us that he'll wipe every tear away uh, from us. I can't tell you what that's going to be like. We have so few verses about it. But can I tell you what I do know? That that is going to be an actual, literal event. Just as true as anything. More true than I'm standing here. That one day we will be there with the Lord, the Son, Jesus, and he will judge those. And there will be cousins of ours and there will be family members of ours that will not be part of that spiritual resurrection on earth and they will be part of that second resurrection physically and they will be there. And tears will be wiped away from us. I can't begin to tell you what emotions will go on through us, but can I tell you that on that day, man, I have family members and you have family members and we know people. I want them sitting there beside me. I don't want them to be part of that second resurrection. I don't want them standing there being judged um, according to that. It said in verse 29, And it shall come forth, and they have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And don't think for a split second that is teaching you those of us who do good will be on one side and those that have done bad. The good that you have done is put your faith in Jesus Christ, and the bad that they have done is not put their faith in Jesus Christ. And just a way of saying it here. And so one day we will stand there with them as part of the resurrection and God will judge. And so you met Jesus at some point in your life and he spiritually resurrected you and someday he will physically with your body. 
you know, I'm more interested in the spiritual part. I don't understand the physical part. I'm not sure why I need this squirrely body. I know he's going to give me a new, uh, give me another one. But I know that those that aren't spiritually resurrected will be part of that says second resurrection. So if they're not saved during their lifetime, then they will stand before Jesus, the judge, who is God, who they did not submit to here on earth, and they will there. And they will know that he is God. There's no choice about it. Every knee will bow, either here on earth, and they will make him Lord and Savior of their lives, or in eternity, after, or after the millennium, they will stand there, and they will have to give an account for it. It's just true. And it's Bible. And Jesus taught it because he wanted you to know it. And he preserved it so we could have it, so you could hear it tonight. And we preach through John at this time during your life so that you could hear it now. And I can't tell you how you're supposed to respond. But me as a child of God, I know what I'm supposed to do with that type of information. I know how that makes me feel when I see people walking. You know, when we watch a football game, which is fun, the majority of those young guys are dead out there playing a game. When you go to work tomorrow, that guy beside you or lady, they're dead. And they will spend their lives like that. But Jesus has power over the grave and over their life, and he is able. And there's not enough words that you can say to make something dead alive. But he has the life. He has the power, and you need to offer it to them. Not a presentation, but a person. And so you know who you need to be praying for. We'll have a quick, we'll have an opportunity to respond there in your seat. But think of that person tonight who will be part of that second resurrection and be in prayer for them, that they will have a spiritual resurrection during their life. Heavenly Father, thank you for your words tonight in John chapter 5. Lord, I pray that you'll be, I pray that this week we will see spiritual resurrection. Give us the perspective on life that we need, Lord. I pray that we won't see people as this gone astray. We won't be, see people as misled, but we will see their spiritual condition and we will know that they are dead and that we can only see them made alive through the gospel. I pray that you will put some people's names upon hearts inside of this room right now. As the children of God, Lord, we know how to respond to this. And I pray that this will happen during this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You have been listening to Austin Gardner, pastor of Vision Baptist Church. For contact information, location, service times, or more audio and video recordings, log on to www.visionbaptist.com.